Naomi said unto her, Ruth, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her, Daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Last week, if you recall, if you were with us, we examined verses 15 through 18, leading us up to, of course, our text this evening in verse 19 and following. And in that passage, verses 15 through 18, we discovered how Boaz's love for uh, Ruth was abundant, how there was an abundance within this love that he demonstrated for her. In verse 15 we read, And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And so within this verse, Boaz had made a command to his young men, and he said, First, let her glean. And this was a command to allow her to gather and to collect. It was a command to allow her to, to get all the gain to, all that she was able to do so. And then he said, furthermore, among the sheaves. And this refers to, as I mentioned last week, to the portion of the field which had already been harvested. It had already been cut. It had already been piled into small heaps and ready to be picked up. So the command to let her glean was not just simply let her alone, but it's let her glean in, in some of the richest portions of the field in which she could glean. And furthermore, it was an area that in all probability there would have been, uh, most would have been prohibited to, to glean in that area due to the risk of the temptation of stealing that which had already been collected and harvested and piled and, and waiting to be picked up and taken away. And so this was an area where there would have been, uh, there would have been a richness to the gleaning, if you will, and where others would not have just been freely allowed to roam in all probability. Then he went on to say, reproach her not. And this was a command for Boaz's young men to refrain from insulting Ruth in any manner for doing what he had commanded them to allow her to do. So in other words, while they might would have corrected others, while they might would have rebuked them, while they might would have uh, hindered them or even insulted them for thinking that they could do such a thing, yet he tells his young men to allow her without any hindrance to glean in this area. Verse 16, And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Boaz instructed his young men furthermore to not only let Ruth glean where there was the best opportunity, but also instructed them to intentionally leave a portion of the already harvested grain available for her to pick up with ease. So now, again, I, I said to you last week, I don't, don't want to belabor the point, but just to remind you, it's as though he is now saying not only let her glean in the places where there's the greatest opportunity for her own benefit, but he's saying, I want you to do some of the labor and let her glean where she did not really labor to get this. In other words, you do the labor, prepare it for her, and let her pick it up. So I shared with you how that in this harvest of, that Ruth received in her labors of working, 
And now Boaz did not just hand it to her. Boaz did not just say, go, go harvest for her and then hand it to her and send her on her way. No, he wanted her to work within the field, within his field, within the portion of this field. However, he also made it possible and made it a reality in, the wit, in, in that which Ruth gleaned. Her, her harvest was far greater than the effort and labor that she ever put into the work that was at hand. So she benefited in a much more abundant manner than that which she had labored. And then we see also verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Ruth found she had more than she could ever have expected and much more than enough. And Spence Jones commented, I shared last week with you as well, that Ruth would take home with her what would suffice for several days sustenance to Naomi and herself. So Ruth's reward for her gleaning, or from her gleaning, far exceeded her efforts, far exceeded her labor that she had put forth. And then verse 18, she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. Not only was Ruth satisfied in the provision of Boaz, but as I mentioned also, there was an abundance which was then also shared with Naomi. So Ruth gleaned, Ruth ate at the table of Boaz, she gleaned all of this, this harvest and then went home to Naomi with more than enough. And not only was it more than enough for Ruth herself, but it was more than enough for Naomi. Naomi benefited and this love of Boaz that, she, that he demonstrated towards Ruth overflowed to Naomi. And again, so as we reflect upon these truths, and I hope you're you're making the connections as we work through this and seeing the reflections that are present. Obviously, obviously, we have received this grace of God and, and the love of God is abundant. And any, any labors that God privileges us to do, that he allows us to do in the gospel, in his ministry, the reward for that far exceeds anything that we've ever, any effort we've ever put into anything. And also we see that Christ, the provision of God, is all-sufficient, more than enough. And furthermore, if we've genu- genuinely received of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, it's not only that it's all-sufficient for us, but it will overflow out and from us to others, such as this provision of Boaz was now being received by Naomi, and she was benefiting from it as well. Now, I am not saying by any means, obviously, that that because Ruth received grace from Boaz, now that, that Naomi also is just included in it because Ruth lived with Naomi, as though to say that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then not only is that salvation enough for you personally, but your salvation is enough for... No, I'm saying to you, if you've received grace... It cannot simply be contained within you, but it's going to overflow. And the love of God in Christ is going to come out of you as you have received. And so that's what, that's what we see taking place here as well. And it's interesting because God not only provided for Ruth, but also for Naomi through the grace and love of Boaz. So we'll begin verses 19 and following tonight. I want to mention something to you in introducing this portion of the text because there's one statement within this passage that I really want us to consider in light of everything that surrounds it and what Naomi says. I have a friend who is still a friend to this day. In fact, closer friend today, even though we don't stay in like constant contact with each other and touch all the time, but he is a friend of mine 
who I met 28 plus years ago at a place that I worked. And he is about as backwoods country of a person that I have ever met. There's only one other person I know that even comes close to this guy as far as how he talks, his mannerisms and such. And he came from a place, (laughs) he came from a one-caution-light town called Pumpkin Swamp. That kind of tells you this guy is backwoods as it gets. And obviously, we're young and and. We immediately picked up on that when he started telling us that. So we nicknamed this guy Pumpkin Swamp. But we didn't say Pumpkin Swamp. It's Pumpkin pumpkin Swamp. I mean, it was just like this simple, you know, you are this country backwoods guy. And whenever we would tell him something or we would ask him how things were, his response was always the same. Whether something happened that was good or something happened that was bad, he would always respond with this statement. My wife could quote it to you right now. It's all good. And that's just what he always said. It didn't matter. You could tell him the worst news. Oh, it's all good. (laughs) Or you could tell him great news. It's all good. And that's just what he said. It's just that was his, his phrase. But in reality, this is exactly Naomi's response to the events and instructions surrounding the interactions of Boaz with Ruth. Within this passage, Naomi makes a statement which defines the entire interaction between Ruth and Boaz. Look in verse 22 with me. We find Naomi's response to Ruth's answer to her questions and explanation of where she has been. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good. It is good. So what was it? This is the question I want us to I want to ask you, I want us to consider concerning all that is surrounding this, these events, what is it about this situation that Naomi considered to be good? First of all, in verse 19, I want you to see with me, and we see it unfolding, it was good that Ruth had found favor. It was good that Ruth had found grace. Verse 19, and her mother-in-law said unto her and to Ruth, where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Now, next, notice the next statement. Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. In this verse, Naomi is questioning Ruth due to the amount that she brought home from her gleaning. There's a reason that Naomi asked this question. It wasn't as though it was a typical work day, Ruth goes out, comes home, and Naomi's just striking up conversation with Ruth and going, well, how was work today, honey? No, that's not what's happening here. Ruth, or Naomi, is taken back because Ruth, as a gleaner, comes home with this overabundance of provision. And Naomi knows right away there's something more going on here than what would be expected. And so Naomi then asked the question, where did you work today? And whose field were you in today? So she asked, where did you glean and work today, basically? Second, Naomi acknowledged by declaring blessing on whoever it was who had shown Ruth favor and grace, as indicated in Naomi's next statement, when she said, blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. So what Naomi is actually declaring here, she is saying, it is good that Ruth had found a place where someone showed her grace and kindness. This is good. As we've already discovered, Ruth not only received an abundance of provision, 
but also an abundance of comfort and kindness from Boaz. Go back to verse 13 with me again. Then she said, this is Ruth speaking to Boaz, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. Now, first let's stop for a moment and consider this again. Ruth has already found favor in the sight of Boaz, and that's apparent. But now she says, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. So here, Ruth is saying, again, I have received favor and kindness and comfort from you. But not only that, it's not just I received comfort from you. You have comforted me. This is personal to her now. Boaz had comforted her personally and been kind to her and spoken friendly, in a friendly manner to her. And so notice her response, and this ties into everything what we're seeing in this text. Her response to this, you have comforted me, past tense, and thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, past tense, and obviously present as well, that it was happening still, but this is something that had happened already. And notice what she says prior to that, to this. Let me find favor in thy sight. The comfort from Boaz, the grace from Boaz, the kindness of Boaz prompted within Ruth, cultivated within Ruth, a desire to receive more of the same. And she is saying, oh, I, I, I need this comfort. I need this grace. And not in a selfish manner. She was humbled. Remember, she bowed before him. She fell before him. Why would you show me, a stranger, such grace and kindness and love? So it's not some selfish, motivated thing where she's going, oh, I want more of this. This is good for me. No, she's humbled that she has found this. And she's saying, I'm in desperate need of this. Verses 16 and 17, we read, And let also Boaz commanding, his young men, let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. According to the measurements of the day, Ruth would have gleaned approximately 10 days worth of food in an ephah. And here she is carrying home 10 days worth of food. And Naomi knew right away, this is not the normal situation. And this is what's prompting her to ask, where were you today? Because she's wanting to find out, why is it you've come home with this abundance that, in which you've, you've arrived? So it was good, Naomi is saying, it was good that Ruth had found favor. But number two, in verse 20, it was good that there was a near kinsman. She says, and Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. The fact that Boaz was a near kinsman of Naomi meant that he was qualified to redeem Elimelech's property and or all that pertained to Elimelech. You have to understand This was not an auctioning block where anybody could just come up and say, well, I'll buy Elimelech's property, or I'll buy Elimelech's debt, or I'll buy Elimelech's uh, uh, all that pertains to him. No, that's not how this worked. You had to be a kinsman. Now, we will see further in the text that there was another kinsman that was even nearer than this kinsman who was Boaz. And there's things to consider and learn from that as well. But yet... He was one of 
the next of kin. And Naomi says that. She doesn't say the nearest. She says one of the next kinsmen. So he was in line. He is one, actually in this case, second in line, to redeem all that pertained to Elimelech. So again, this wasn't any, not anyone could do this. Not anyone was capable of this. And so, so, so Naomi in this situation is then saying that it was good that there was a kinsman. But more importantly, it is good that there's a kinsman who's shown grace to Ruth. This is a good indication of things to come. But then notice number three, verses 21 and 22. It was good for Ruth to remain in the place where she had found grace. Verse 21. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said also, or he said unto me also, Notice what Boaz says to Ruth. Thou shalt keep fast by my young men. Notice the next statement. Until they have ended all my harvest. Verse 22, and Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. Here's why I'm saying to you what I'm saying about Naomi's statement of it is good. Notice what he, she says here. It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens. Who's his? Who's the, who, what is the pronoun his? Who, what is that referring to? What's the antecedent to that pronoun? Boaz. Who is Boaz? The kinsman. But not just the kinsman. We're working backwards now from where we just came. He is the kinsman, but he's not just a kinsman. He's the kinsman who showed grace to Ruth. And here Naomi is saying, oh, this is good. It is good that you go out with his maidens, that you work in his field, his, Boaz, the kinsman who has shown you favor. So now you see how this is unfolding. Let's go back one step for a moment. It was good that Ruth found favor. Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee, verse 19. It was good that there was a near kinsman. Blessed be he of the Lord, verse 20, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead, And then Naomi says, the man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Then 21 and 22. He said unto me, Ruth says, thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. Now she is saying, it is good you have this you found favor. It is good that there is this near kinsman that has shown you this favor, and it is good for you to remain in the place of blessing. It is good for you to remain in the field where you have found this favor and this grace. Boaz instructed Ruth to remain in his field until the end of harvest. That's what he's saying when he said unto her, thou shalt keep fast. He's saying you shall continue and remain by my young men working in my field, the place where you have found this favor, the place where you have found this grace, the place that you have been comforted, the place that you have been been befriended. You are to stay right where you are. 
This meant that Ruth not only would have sufficient provision throughout the entirety of the harvest, but also would have ample opportunity to spend time with Boaz and develop a relationship with him throughout the process. Who did Boaz speak to? He spoke to the overseers of his field and to the young men. Remember? Go back and look. And where does he tell her to stay? By his young men. Where do you think Boaz was going to show up when he would come back to the field? To speak to his young men. Who's going to be there? Ruth. So God is working providentially in this manner in which now Ruth has found grace from this near kinsman of Naomi and now he is commanding her to stay right where you are. Stay in the place that you have found grace. Stay in the place of my blessing. Stay in the place which I have offered and provided you a place of labor and work and provision at my table with me and fellowship that I might get to know you and you might get to know me. Naomi was confirming in her statements that the instruction of Boaz was a good thing for Ruth. And and here's the question. Why would it not be? Why would Ruth have any reason? Now, Fallen, please make these connections with this reflection. These are reflections for us to consider and see. Why would Ruth have any reason, have any desire, or even any temptation to leave the place of blessing where she had found such grace, such comfort, and such provision? 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, Simon Peter writes, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, Peter lists in verse 3 a condition which is attached to the command he gives in verse 2 for believers to desire and grow in the grace which they had received. Peter's statement in verse 2 is in the imperative mood, which is the mood that provides instruction or a command. When Peter says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk, sincere milk of the word, he is not saying here, as babies desire to drink milk. That is not what he is saying. It's, this is not descriptive. This is imperative. This is not declarative. It is imperative. He's not describing anything. He is saying, you being newborn babes, you desire the sincere milk of the word for this reason that you may grow thereby. So what Peter is saying is not, oh, just as a baby wants milk, so you should do the same. He's, no, he's saying you are a newborn babe, new believers in Christ. As a new believer in Christ, you, imperative, desire. You desire the sincere milk of the word. And the result of that is that you grow accordingly. And the condition upon which this command is founded is in verse 3. It follows. Notice what he says. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The point Peter makes is that if you have received God's grace, if you have tasted of his goodness, then remain in the place of his blessing that you might continue to grow in his grace and in the knowledge of the one who has shown you such grace. Regarding Naomi's statement to Ruth, Naomi is saying this, it is good that Ruth could remain in the place that she had found such grace. Verse 23, so she, 
Ruth, kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Ruth had found a good place to be. She had found comfort. She had found kindness. She had found provision and most importantly, grace, which means she had received from a man who she did not know, but who desired to know her. Does that sound kind of familiar? She had been provided by for by someone she had no real knowledge of, and yet he wanted to know her. She was comforted by one that she knew nothing of, but yet he desired to comfort her. She received grace undeservingly from a man to whom she was a stranger and deserved no favor or kindness whatsoever from him, yet he desired to give that to her. So she did not deserve, Ruth did not deserve anything good from Boaz. And yet all she received from him was good. Again, I hope you're making the connections here and seeing the imagery that is set before us. Remember, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We do not come to Jesus seeking something. God draws us. The Spirit of God draws us. It is God who is restoring us to himself, not us seeking restoration to God. And we knew nothing of him in terms of a relationship. We may have knowledge of God in the sense of what we're taught or what we've been religiously associated with or instructed in, but we did not have a personal relationship with him any more so than Ruth had a personal relationship with Boaz, but it was Boaz who sought her out when she was just saying, I need to find grace somewhere, but it's Boaz who says, I will show you that grace. And so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ and us. She did not deserve anything good, and yet everything she received was good. Doesn't that sound familiar? We, re- we deserve nothing good from the Lord. Nothing. We are not deserving of his favor, his kindness, of his mercy, of his grace, of his love. We are undeserving, and yet there is nothing we receive of him that is not good as his children. In receiving such grace, Ruth was humbled. She was thankful. And she also was devoted and committed to remain in the place where this grace had been provided. It was good that Ruth found favor from a near kinsman who provided her a place for her to continue to receive grace from his hand. Do you not understand how good it is of God that he not only has shown us grace and comfort and love and mercy, but that he has provided a means by which we can remain in that same place. And I don't mean stagnant. I'm talking about remain in the place where we have found such grace that we might experience even more grace that he has to give. It's amazing that we've not only received God's grace through our kinsman redeemer, but that God has also allowed us a place in which we can remain in his blessing, continually receiving his grace. In John 1, 15 through 17, we read, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, John the Baptist, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now listen to verse 16. And of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace for the law was given by moses but grace and truth came by jesus christ 
You know what, you know what John is saying here when he says, and of his fullness have we received and what's actually being stated here? John is literally saying the only thing that ever replaces the grace of God in our lives is more of his grace. Grace for grace. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, the writer says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Just as Boaz provided a continued place for Ruth to find grace, so also God has provided a continual provision of his grace for us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I ask you this question, lest you be confused. At what point did Ruth not need the grace of Boaz? I've got ten days worth of food. Okay, for two people. Guess what Ruth's going to need? More grace from Boaz. Continual grace. Continual comfort. At what point, we talk about the time of need, and we think about times of desperation where we are feeling the pressure, we're burdened, and that's true. There's grace for those moments. There's no doubt about that. But I want to remind you of this simple truth. There is not a moment in your life or in my life that I am, or you, nor I, there's not any moment that we are not in continual desperate need of the goodness, of the kindness, of the favor of God the Father as provided in His Son and through His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So guess what? I have grace. If you're born again, you've received grace. And guess what's going to happen? There will be more grace to replace the grace we've already received. And we will continue grace for grace and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see what the writer's saying? You have found grace. And because you have a high priest and you've been shown favor and kindness of God through Jesus Christ, he is our high priest. He is, his life is the very intercession before God the Father on our behalf. And because of that, he is ever present that we might continue to remain in the place that we have found such favor and develop and grow in that relationship and fellowship as he continues to bestow grace upon grace within our lives. Just as Boaz provided this place for grace for Ruth, God has done the same for us. Might I borrow the phrase from my dear friend and just simply say to you, it's all good. It is all good. For we have been provided grace from God that can only be replaced by more of his grace. Let me, let me restate that for you. Because we say the word grace, and I think most of you probably, and I've defined it many times, we understand what it means, but let me say it to you like this. <laughs> 
We deserve nothing good from God. And yet all, as believers in Jesus Christ, all we have ever received or all we will ever receive is goodness at His hand and from His hand. And that being said, here's what I am saying and what's being stated and demonstrated to us. While we deserve nothing good from God, the only thing that can ever replace the goodness of God is more of His goodness. Because He is good. (laughs) And He has been good to us. And as Ruth, this does not cause us, if we have a proper understanding of this, and we will, we will have a desire as newborn babes. You desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. But why? The condition of that is, if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So if you've received of his graciousness or grace, then there's a cultivated desire within you to know more of his grace. But it's not something in which we just sit back and go, oh, I can really get a lot from God. No, we're humbled as was Ruth. And we, if we have the proper understanding and attitude and spirit of God and worship Him, submitting to Him, then we, as Ruth did with Boaz, will fall down and bow ourselves before Him in submission in absolute astonishment that God would ever be so kind to strangers such as we. I'm finished with this one statement. It's all good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word.